0: The following program is rated M-A-L. It contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences.
1: Green flag waving for the always exciting Sheldon Hodge Shield. He'll bounce the right rear off the wall with turn four. Last one for Sheldon Hodge Shield. Quick time! Off to four.
2: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Tuesday night edition of Quick Time, the podcast. we got the gang all back together. Brad Brown's in the house. Uh, Jason North is on Zoom. Uh, we got a great show tonight. Uh, guys, what's been going on with you for this past week?
3: Oh, about the same the last couple of weeks, just kind of chilling out, relaxing, getting some, uh, took the boat, or I'm sorry, put the camper in uh, hibernation for the wintertime, and uh, I watched a little bit of racing from, uh, uh, what was it, uh, California, I think it was, uh, watching the sprints and midgets from uh, uh, Merced and Kings and so forth. And so that's about all I got done is just uh, try to stay warm right now.
2: Yeah, watching Kyle Larson pick up another uh, another victory there, but this time in 360. And I saw a bunch of people complaining, 360 is only two grand to win, but uh, that's $800 more than what we could get here. <laughs> well, he got half of that, so it's a good single night payday for him. Yeah, Jason, what about you? How was your week? Uh, it was pretty
4: good. Uh, keeping busy at work, uh, getting things ready for Thanksgiving, uh, enjoying some Free cookie sent to me by my boss, and then there's uh, uh not a some racing
2: this weekend and some bad football. Yeah, I hear you, Jason. You're cutting out a little bit there. That might be the Zoom connection a little bit, but uh, yeah. I mean, a big football weekend. I mean, our Brad, our Steelers are ten and zero. Yeah, but our Huskers are in bad shape. <laughs> yeah,
3: but yeah. The, the old Steelers, they uh, they keep plugging away. And last week, I was happy to see them not play down to their opponents like they usually do. So ten and zero, can't complain. Still, other other
2: people think that the Kansas City's better, but uh, we'll we'll see. Yep, we'll see. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'll put my money in Pittsburgh. But, anyways, once again, this is racing podcast. We're not here to talk <laughs> about some some foosball. So, uh, guys, uh, big show tonight. We got Dave Argenbright coming on. He's going to talk about, uh, you know, kind of talk about his little his books going on. Uh, we talked to Brad Doty a little bit last week about him, uh, the read release of uh, Still Wide Open. So we're going to talk to Dave a little bit. Uh, find some history on his uh, TV career and how he got started and kind of some memories that he has coming to Nebraska. Uh, We got another guest with us. Uh, We got Travis Johnson. Travis is the uh, PR guy. So yeah. yeah. PR guy for the Nebraska 360 sprint series. Uh, Well, that's if he still has a job. We, we kind (laughs) of, we kind of don't know what's going on with that right now. So Travis, how are you doing?
5: I'm doing great. I'm I'm glad to be on. And I'm, I'm, I've got a few questions for Dave. I'm just super excited for this and, um, kind of been doing a little bit of reading today about him. So um, he, he's he's led a interesting last uh, twenty five years or so, and I listened to quite a few interviews with him, even on like uh, Wing Nation, and there was a couple other podcasts he was on. So um, I can't wait to talk and hear what he has to say.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I hope we can he because he has been on so many podcasts. I hope we can come up with some questions that haven't really been asked before and we get some new information out of him i mean i've got almost all of his books right here so i'm, I'm kind of interested to talk to him about some some of his books and see if he can hint on some future uh, um, endeavors that he might be working on right now
2: well if anybody's listened to this podcast before we're pretty sure we'll come up with some interesting questions
3: <laughs> yeah we we try to uh uh some of them seem to be kind of cookie cutter but yeah they can they all can't be great questions but we're going to try to um, see, what well, see what Dave has to say and, uh, see if he can shed some light on, uh, maybe the last season, see what, give his opinions on last season and maybe see what, uh, what he sees, uh, uh what's going to happen in the future.
2: Definitely Jason or Travis, as we mentioned, you're kind of the uh, PR director for the Nebraska 360 series. We, we broke some news a couple of weeks ago that Dennis Parker was stepping down. Do you have anything new for us or are we kind of still playing the waiting game?
5: Right now, we're still kind of playing the waiting game. Um, I would like to be a part of anything if there is anything in the future. If not, I'll try to venture maybe up toward and getting with some of the few MSTS races I see they've got scheduled. Um, I was up there for Houston during the Outlaw show and did some of their, some of their stuff and, uh, their articles and whatnot and got those put on the website. But, um, other than that, I'm just kind of in a hold here. And then, you know, I've been furloughed for seven months. I actually go back to work starting next week. So, um, with a rotating shift, I mean it's going to be real hit and miss next year for me. So, um, yeah, I don't have much, uh, we'll see what happens. I would like to get them Knoxville a little bit more next year. And I'm actually, uh, going to purchase my tickets for the NASCAR race coming up here. So I've got a bunch of friends that are going, so we're going to, we're going to do that next year for sure.
3: Okay. Gut instinct 360 future in Nebraska. What is it?
5: I, I don't know. I see the only way if this doesn't work out the only way I could possibly see anything happening is I can tell you right now, Roger will not do it. He will not do it at Eagle. He will not bring back three sixties. I think it is just, he, he's done with it. He's got, he's on cruise control right now with the 305s and you know, and I've listened to every one of your guys' broadcasts so far this year. And Brad, I am like you, I'm going to have to become a 305 fan. I'm not one right now. I just, I don't like the race savers. I've got friends that race in it, so if I do go, I, I'm rooting for them. But um, the only way this works is if, if Joe Kaziski could get something going, and he has connections at Knoxville um, with with the fall brawl and the Knox Vegas thing and, and, and the 360 things with Alan Dehigh. and um, I, I, that's the only way I see it working. Um, I don't know if Junction would pick up anything. I think it's strictly going to be an thing. i thing.
3: I agree with you. I, I think that the Kaziskis will – Maybe have three, four, or five special shows, and that's only in the off weekend when um, some other 360s at like in Knoxville and Houston and so forth aren't dry, aren't racing, MSTs and so forth. So our only hope, I think, is is having the Kaziskis put on a few shows at i Speedway. Otherwise, uh, it's it's uh, on life support, and we're going to have to go to South Dakota or Minnesota or Iowa to watch any anything but 305 racing.
5: Yeah, it's going to happen, I believe. I think if Joe was to do anything at I-80, we're probably looking at um, mid-April like uh, we've done in the past. And then that late September show for the fall brawl. I see that fall brawl continuing. Um, it's been a really good show. And the car count has been really great. So, um, unfortunately, I think it all probably be ASC a sanction, um, which isn't a bad thing. We get a lot more cars. But, um, it, you know… It, the doctors select few drivers that seem to walk away with this. Sam Hapertie just tears it up at that track every year. Yeah. I think he's won the last two or three years there. So um, I think I think we're done here in Nebraska unless somebody steps
3: forward. See, now I'm on the opposite side of you. Uh, I think that putting all that money in the sanctioning fee for an ASCS race is a waste of money. Put that money in the purse, and you're going to get more cars. I just don't think the ASCS brings anybody any. I don't know how to say this without. Uh, insulting some people it doesn't bring
2: enough for what it costs yeah
3: yeah sam sam was by far the 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 best in the field but you you take him out of the equation and what did what did what did they bring to the to the table uh you you put that purse in the uh, put that uh sanctioning fee in the purse and uh i think that you get most of those cars to come in and you still have a quality race and quality field and and um Maybe the name brings in some fans of the ASCS, but uh, I just don't think that they bring in enough cars for the amount of money that you put into an ASCS-sanctioned show. So in, if I was the owner, and I'm not, and I don't have a, a pony in this uh, race, but uh, I would just put a, a lot more money in the purse and bring in a lot of uh, cars in the area and, and see what you got.
5: I'm kind of up the air about that. I've been involved with events in which – um, I, I was heavily involved when Butler County Motorplex was here. I used to flag for them, um, and I remember, you know, times. And I know we're getting into, uh, talking about IMCA stuff is where I'm going with this. And I know they paid a $10,000 to win sport mod race. I think they got 30 cars. Um, you know, we we did the uh, Bobby Parker Memorial, paid like $2,500 to win and $600 to start, and we still only got about 22 cars. So that is um, true. That's a pretty. That's a pretty good starting pay, 600 bucks compared to what it. I mean, I think Knoxville, is, I, I believe it's 500 but I'm not for sure on the 360s. But um, we just didn't really draw too much more. So, um, I, unfortunately, I, I have to differ with you on that. And I believe the asd will bring in those extra cars. And I, I just think that that's, this is possibly the only way to make this work. But, you know what, it's all in Joe's hand. If he wants to do it, he's going to be the only track in my mind that can afford to do this because – off-road can't do this on their own. Um, nobody's going to drive there. Columbus can't do it. You're getting into Albion and Beatrice that don't run sprint cars. Uh, Eagle's not going to do it. So Joe is our only savior for 360 racing in Nebraska.
3: I do do agree with you there. Junction's not going to do it either because um, yep. they they usually get 12 cars anyway. So they're they're just they're not going to do it. So Kaziski's i80 Speedway. We're begging you. We're begging you right. for some 360 racing.
2: Absolutely. You can always come to the dark side with the 305s, guys. It's, it's not that bad.
3: <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not that bad. I would agree with you. I, it's just not like I've said several times. It's just not my cup of tea. Uh, uh, I am grown up watching 360s and 410s, and uh, it's just what I'm used to. And for those that say you can't tell the difference, I beg to differ. I can tell the difference. and so. Until I'm forced to like the 305s, I'm going to search out 360s and 410s, and uh, that's just just my feelings right now.
2: So a bunch of road trips in Knoxville this year, Brad, <laughs> right?
3: Is that what we're doing? Oh, if only I could. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to be joined by Dave Argenbreit and uh, kind of get a little history lesson on him and kind of kind of like I said earlier, you know, find out how he got involved in the TV and talk about if he has any uh, new books in the works. So guys, hang tight, and we'll be right back we <laughs> Alright guys, welcome back to the show. We are now joined by a great author, a great storyteller, a TV personality, kind of a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to the Sprint Card Game, uh, Dave Argenbrey. Dave, how are you doing tonight?
6: Hey, I'm good guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me on.
2: No, not too bad. We're just kind of trying to stay warm here in chilly rainy Nebraska right now.
6: Yeah, it's uh, chilly and rainy in Indiana too, so I feel your pain.
2: <laughs> Definitely. Well, we had Brad Dony on last week and he, he kind of pubbed a, a re reissue republication of uh, still wide open. Uh, what I kind of want to know is how did you get involved and started writing stories?
6: Um, you know, it's kind of an, it was a very fortunate accident. Uh, I happened to meet a guy, uh, who was the sports editor at the local newspaper where I lived you know, I grew up near Anderson, Indiana, and, um, you know, I had done a tiny bit of uh, writing in our high school newspaper, and they were needing some guys they call stringers that are just part-time people that go out and cover high school football, basketball, stuff like that, and uh, kind of fell into that totally by accident. And uh, once, you know, I kind of realized that, you know, I can kind of do this, and I like it, and it's fun. And then I branched out to uh, my, my real passion, which I like all – sorts of sports but my real passion was always racing and um, it wasn't very long before I focused you know all of my writing efforts on motorsports.
3: Well I I, uh, this is Brad I have uh, four of your books I don't know how many racing books you you have written but uh, I've got the Doty, uh, Lone Wolf, American Scene and and Life with Luke. Uh, Life with Luke I think is your most recent one. Um, I gotta I gotta tell you uh, your American Scene was a lot of fun to read and it was, uh, I think, it was a 2001 copyright, but uh, that yeah. that book was really fun for me to 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 read. And uh, granted, it's been a long time since I did read it, but uh, I really enjoyed that book. Uh, um, just, just hearing some of the stories of yesteryear. Uh, I'm, I'm, I grew up. Uh, my dad used to drive, and then, when he had th- uh, four kids, he decided to put the money in the family and not the race car. And so he became a mechanic on a car. So I've been uh, surrounded by racing my whole life. But uh, there's still so much that I don't know about it. But uh, uh, hearing your stories in in all those books was it was I, I love those books because those guys can tell stories like no other, and you can bring it out and and put it in writing, and and it's almost it's pretty, you can almost get emotional in some of the stories. So uh, I just really enjoy those books. And that really isn't a question more than a comment, but (laughs) I just wanted to tell you that I I just really enjoy those books. And uh, like Brad Doty said last week, uh, you're going to, Um, bring out the new publication of the, of other new issues of his book. And I told him just like any rule change in sprint car racing now, it's going to cost me more money. So I'm going to have to buy the new book and see what uh, the four chapters have to say that it, uh, I didn't know about Brad, Brad Doty.
6: Well, that's right. Whatever you do, buy a book. (laughs) That's the, that's the number one thing I'll tell, tell everybody, whatever you do, buy a book. No, in all seriousness, uh, Brad's book, was the first one that uh, I did back in 99. Uh, And at that time, I had decided to, I had a full-time sales job for many years and uh, decided I was ready to try to take the plunge and see if I could be a full-time motorsports writer. And I knew if I did that, I had to branch out a little bit. And I figured, you know, writing a book would be one way of doing it. And Brad was the very first person that I reached out to because I always felt like, his story was so compelling that it would make a good book. And um, luckily, you know, he he agreed and we kind of stumbled our way through. I think back, it was the very first effort. You know, I've done 17 books now and you would think that it gets easier and all of that, but it doesn't. Uh, It was just as hard to do that first one as it is the Jimmy Sills book, the most recent one. There's just a lot of effort. But when we did Brad's book, it, it was, we were just so thrilled with how it turned out and how well received it was. And I think this is basically our fourth or fifth printing of it Uh, this thing just keeps on going even though it's 20 years old uh, we did the update in 2011 and you know i always felt badly because we sold out of all of our inventory and people would still call and send me emails looking to buy that book and we didn't have any so uh, we finally put everything together to do a reprint and it's just a wonderful story i mean brad Brad's story is—he's a unique human being, as you guys know. Uh, having him on last week, I know that's evident with every conversation you have with him. And uh, that book is uh, something I'm very, very proud of.
2: Yeah, definitely. You mentioned that that you re-reissued that book in 2011. I know when I was looking for a copy of it before that reissue, the only place to find it is like on eBay, and it's you can spend upwards of $200 to two to three hundred dollars on a book. And I thought that was crazy. Yeah. I would rather that money go to the the author than, you know, some guy hoarding it in his basement. Yeah. And
6: that's a hard thing. You know, I don't have, none of us have any control over that kind of thing. And, um, you know, it's a strange thing, but we had uh, a similar situation with Hewitt's law, the book I did with Jack Hewitt, that was out of print. And you would see him, you know, on the internet for, you know, a hundred bucks, 150 bucks and so forth. So, and that annoyed me to no end, you know, but, when we did a, a reprint of uh, Jack's book three years ago, I thought, okay, now I got you guys. But, you know, even though you can buy that book all day long now for $30, those websites still have them for $100, 150 bucks. I don't get it, but there's something in that's how it works or something. But, but yeah, that that's uh, very hard to see that happen because I know people want the book. They want the story. And, you know, it's heartbreaking to see somebody have to pay that much for a book.
3: You mentioned Hewitt's Law. I'm going to have to get on my daughter. She, she stole my book. Uh, I have all of your books that I own right here, and Hewitt's Law is not in it, and I know I have it. I'm going to have to get after my daughter for stealing my Hewitt's Law book and not returning it. So I think she saw that, uh, that videotape of Jack Hewitt for that's really popular, and she wanted to learn more about yeah. Jack Hewitt, so I think she, she stole it from me.
6: Yeah. Yes, sir. I've got time for an interview. That's right. Damn right. I got time for an interview.
2: We actually, we actually used that clip uh, for the longest time when we first started the show to introduce the interview. So uh, he's definitely getting, uh, he's definitely done a lot in racing, but unfortunately, I think he's going to be known most for that, for that quote.
6: (laughs) Yeah. What a moment, you know, just, uh, that's the power of, of record digital recordings, you know, it can live forever and, And it's funny you guys uh, mentioned that about loaning the book. Honestly, um, you know, I get people all the time when they're buying one of the, you know, legacy books, one of my earlier books. uh, I hear this all the time. They say, man, I bought this thing three times because I bought it and loaned it to people. And then I never saw it again and don't know who I loaned it to. So I guess I'll get another one. You know, (laughs) I do it, too. You know.
2: Yeah, I've been definitely down that that boat. I remember uh, I bought all the uh Sean Buckley's uh, follow the corn DVDs when they first came out and I loaned them out and I, I swear I bought four copies of those DVDs.
6: <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Now I know, uh, Travis Johnson, he's kind of, he kind of got the ball rolling on this uh, interview and getting you on the show. And I know he's joined us tonight and he has a couple of questions for you. So I'm going to let him jump on and kind of, kind of ask you, how you questions. questions.
7: Hey,
2: oh, you know, when we, when we look at
5: historical broadcasters and sprint car racing, we think of Brad Doty, Bobby Gerald, Ralph Shaheen, you. But ultimately, there's one guy in my mind who triumphs all, and that's Mr. Sunday, 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 Steve Evans. So, uh, still to this yeah. day, nobody is bigger when it comes to horsepower and automotive performance than what Steve Evans was. So in 2000, you had just finished up your first full year of broadcasting with TNN, and it was the same year Steve passed in Vegas, at the World Finals, you both were at. Can you tell me what kind of guy he was for those of us that didn't know him? And do you have a great story that you can share with us at about a moment when you think of him that will always stick in your mind?
6: Well, he, um, first of all, I just have to tell you he was a good friend. Um, he was, I was in awe, you know, that year when I joined TNN to start to work with him and Bobby in the pits because like everybody else, you know, for the past whatever number of years, you know, you'd see Steve Evans on TV and doing different things, and he just was larger than life as a broadcaster and as a person. Tons of energy, uh, had a real keen mind. Uh, he he was the Energizer Bunny, you know, in that he was kind of on the rev limiter all the time. Uh, had a wry sense of humor, a little bit of a dark sense of humor, like a, a black humor about him sometimes, but but a typical racer's humor. I mean, he could see things that were, you know, maybe kind of dark, but they were funny too, you know? And so he, he just had a real unique way about him. But what I'll remember most of all is, um, when I started, I mean, I was truly a, a raw green rookie in in television. And, um, you know, I knew about the racing part of it, but the, the structure and the way TV works and how you do this, I, I really knew almost nothing. And, uh, the very first event that we did was the Copper Classic out of Phoenix, and our producer Tom Gee, and um, Steve took me out to the pits. Uh, Steve just volunteered to help me, basically, and Tom basically showed me, you know, how you do a stand up, how you do this, how you do that, and we spent a couple of hours out there. And Steve, just out of the kindness of his heart, you know, went with us and showed me things and and all of this and uh, it was great. You know, he didn't have to do that. I was the new guy and he could have easily said, you know, I don't want to help him cause he might try to take my job someday, you know, but he didn't, you know, he was just a very giving person. And, um, uh, you know, when, when he passed that late at the end of that year, uh, that was a dark night. Let me tell you, that was a, that's a memory that'll stay with me forever. Uh, you know, Steve passed in his hotel room that afternoon and no one knew, we got to the racetrack and, and he, and I knew something was wrong as soon as we got there and Steve wasn't there yet because he was extremely professional in terms of being punctual. And he was never late for anything like that. And, um, you know, he didn't show and, uh, Jeffrey green, our executive producer, um, you know, asked me, you know, did you, have you seen Steve? No, I have not. And, you know, not today. And so they did some checking and then found that that he had passed away in his room. And, Just a a surreal experience and just a heartbreaking night. And, you know, that's uh, almost exactly 20 years ago. It was November of 2000. And uh, I can recall the emotions of that night just as sharp and clear as I'm talking to you right here. But he was a truly unique guy. And um, even with the passing of time, man, I still miss him a lot.
5: I'll, I'll even go on and watch the uh, one of my favorite videos on YouTube. I watch is from Topeka when the sprint cars were there and he called that race. I believe it was with Brad Doty. His just, his voice just stood out among everybody. So, um, and I know you had worked with him. I had to ask, I've always been a big Steve Evans fan is I really wasn't introduced to uh, sprint car racing until the mid nineties. So being able to turn on that TV and, and his, was, his voice was almost one of the first ones you always heard. So going into that, since I was introduced in sprint car racing in 94, I really didn't understand the true significance of the Knoxville Nationals until about 2006, and that was the first time I ever attended. So my personal memory of Knoxville doesn't date to anything prior than that. When I look at the personal history and memory of the Nationals, I think of two things, and honestly, there isn't any more than these two things. I think of the Lysoski family uh, uh, uh a dispute involving Brian Brown and then Jason Johnson's win. Now I've been to Nebraska football games at night when the crowd is on fire, but nothing has been compared to that night when Jason won. When you interviewed him in victory lane, how do you stay so calm and collective during a moment in which the crowd is so loud and in the moment? Is it hard to not feed off that energy as a reporter and lose your train of thought?
6: Um, Yeah, I guess so. But I, I guess I'm so it's hard for me to get caught up in all of that because to be honest with you, you know, I'm really concerned about, I don't want to mess up. You know, I don't want to mess up in terms of asking a dumb question and, and I don't want to mess up in terms of taking away any shred of, of that joy that everybody's feeling at that moment. I don't want to infringe upon anybody else's joy there. You know, that, You win the Knoxville Nationals for most people, that is a once in a lifetime moment. And I would I would never want somebody to say that the pit reporter, by acting dumb or saying something stupid, took anything away from that moment. I mean, I feel like my job primarily is for the viewers and to ask questions that if they were there holding the microphone, what would they ask? I mean, that's kind of how I process that and so I, I try to discipline myself to not get caught up in terms of losing my place. You know what I mean? I I, uh, I want to do a good job and, and conduct that interview. I, I want that joy. I want all of that emotion. I don't want to slow that down in any way, but I want to channel it in the right way where it's just a great experience for the viewers and for that, that winner, too.
2: Yeah, that, that that interview definitely came out with one of the greatest quotes in sprint car history, the shit I wanted to win. Um I, was, I know, man.
6: I know he's mad. I know he's <laughs> mad for crowding him, the shit I wanted to win. <laughs> that
2: was so from the heart. Has there
6: has there ever been a more honest answer in Victory Lane? Absolutely. Wow. No, that
2: that was great. No. I, I had the privilege of being in Victory Lane when that happened. I, I'm a photographer and uh, Knoxville is one of the events, obviously, that we all cover, and it, it was one of the greatest moments and that I have of, of Knoxville. I've I've haven't attended all the nationals, but out of the ones I have, that that one was by far, you know, the top memory right there.
6: Yeah, I'll never forget it as well. I mean, I know exactly what you mean. It's it's indelible. You know, you'll never forget it, not ever.
2: Yeah. Travis mentioned that, you know, you started TV in, in the early, early 2000s. How did you get involved with the TV deal? Cause that's that, I mean, personally, that's how I know you from is from, from your TNN days and now with MAP TV.
6: Well, it, that also was uh, just, I guess, just a fortunate piece of luck. Um, I had uh, been a writer for quite some time and, and I knew, you know, quite a few of the TV guys, uh, the producers and, and when Knoxville did the uh when TNN did the first live broadcast of the Nationals in ninety five, uh I was hired, I, I there were a couple of us, I think Kevin Eckert and maybe might have just been Kevin and I, I don't remember, but they hired us basically as spotters up in the tower with Dick Bergren and Ralph and uh yeah, Ralph Shaheen, I think, were the uh up in the booth that year, just to kind of help them see what was going on and feed them information and stuff like that. So that was, that kind of got me exposed to, you know, the powers that be at TNN. And then in the end of 99, they were going to add a a third pit reporter with Bobby and um, Steve and Jeffrey Green, the executive producer reached out to me and asked if I would be interested. And, And I jumped at the chance because, you know, I just felt like it would be a really fun way to challenge myself. I knew nothing about doing television. I'd been writing for a long time, but you know, that's a whole different angle. And I just wanted to see if I could do it. And um, that, that was the, uh, that was the gateway right there.
2: Definitely. Uh, that that That's a great way to, you know, it, it, from all the stories I've ever heard is it's kind of luck of the draw, being in the right place, right time to get in, to get in the TV deal uh, with the TV thing. You made a few trips to Nebraska, uh, I 80 speedway, Eagle, Eagle raceway. They, they have always hosted the world outlaws. And I know recently you've been here when, with the, uh, I want to say the Lucas Old Lucas Oil Dirt Late Models, what stories of, of Nebraska that do you have out there? What, what kind of stands out in your mind?
6: Well, I just remember, um, you know, first of all, I really love Eagle. Uh, it's just an action-packed racetrack, and just I like the setting out there, that little town, and the way it's situated. I like everything about that place. And you're right, you know, Eagle, we went to that first year in uh, 2000, and I think I was there once before. Um, went out to see speedy bill one year, and this is probably the early nineties. I can't remember everything kind of runs together, but, um, but then we also went to I 80 and, and, I 80 is another racetrack that I like. but we, I wasn't there for many, many years. We were there in 2000 and 2001. And then I was not back there, uh, until probably last year, two years ago, I think two or three years ago. And, uh, boy, what a change, you know, um, uh, the Kasiski family and everything they've done out there it was a dramatic difference I didn't even remember really even being there before until I got down in the infield and I could kind of get my bearings it just to me it felt like everything had changed and it was all favorable I mean they're doing a great job and uh, the racing this year was really really good it is every time we go out there it's always hot as blazes and <laughs> in July when we come you know and and we came again, you know, with a unique year we have this year. We came again in September when Knoxville was canceled. And, and I couldn't think of a better place that if we couldn't go to Knoxville, which I know was a heartbreak for everybody, what a great place to land when you can come to IED. It just worked out really well.
2: Yeah, the Ksiskis have definitely done a great job of updating and, and making that place better and better every year.
3: Yeah, they, they yep. uh,
2: It's just a great place to go. You know, you want to go there.
3: It's 22 miles from my house, and uh, they don't run a lot of sprint car racing, but uh, that, what they do, you, uh, they, they do a great job. They, they, the track always seems to be in really good shape. It's really competitive. They usually have five or six classes of cars every night, which is a drawback, but, man, they move through them so fast. And uh, you're usually out of there by 10, every night. So they do a great job. So we're very fortunate to have Eagle and I-80 Speedway so close to Lincoln, Nebraska. And uh, I, I just hope that we can continue. I don't know that you know this, but it seems like our 360 series is on life support right now. The The guy that has led the 360s uh, the last six seven eight years uh retired and he's not doing it anymore so now we either need somebody to step up and take over the reins or else uh our 360s in nebraska are pretty much dead so uh, we're hoping that it's not the case but uh, more than likely that's what's going on so but yeah i80 speedway does a great job with uh putting on a, a really good show
0: yeah you know it's
6: crucial uh, to have good leadership i mean there's no more thankless job really, than being a race official. I mean, that's just the truth, you know. Um, But uh, man, you have got to have them, you know, and you've got to have good leadership and people that are willing to step up and make things happen. Because what the scenario you just described, and I have seen that play out dozens and dozens of times through the years, you see a thriving, booming, prosperous series. And if you really are honest about it, it's that way, because Generally, it has great leadership and dedicated, smart, capable people who are leading it. And when you don't have that, that becomes pretty evident very quickly.
3: Yeah. And unfortunately, that's, that's the reality. So, uh, Travis uh he he uh, was a PR director for them and uh so he kind of knows a little bit more about uh, the insides than I do but uh yeah you got to have somebody that's willing to uh, you're going to probably have half just like an, a, a basketball or football official half the people are going to be mad at you most of the night so uh you got to have some thick skin and so forth and uh Dennis Parker did a great job for us in the past but uh, I got kind of a question about uh, about writing a book and and so forth um if you decide you're going to interview or you're going to write a book about driver A and you contact driver A and he says, "Yeah, I agree. With, I'll agree to a book. Give us an idea about how long of a time frame you have to go through before uh, it actually comes out to where we we get to read about your 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 big project."
6: Well, I'm I'm probably um I'm a trouble I'm a I can give you a troubling answer and that is that I'm not really sure I know exactly simply because I've never had the luxury of being able to focus exclusively on a book project and from start to finish and gauge how long does that take? Because, you know, in all these books that I've done every time I've had to work on that for a while. And then, uh, you know, I'll have a, a stand of four straight weekends of TV and, and then I kind of have to put that on the back burner for a short while. And, and uh, so it's it's, I, I don't know at least a year, I would say at least a year. Um, the guys that I've worked with, uh, Jimmy Sills, Hewitt, uh, Doug Wolfgang, uh, all of those guys, Larry Moore, they were very, very patient with me. I know I probably used them up terribly because <laughs> I took way longer than I wanted to but uh, unfortunately, um, you know I guess the I've been very fortunate to be plenty busy through the years and the downside of that is I have to confess, it's very hard to manage all the projects and to keep all the balls in the air, you know, and um, so that part is very hard. And, but I would tell anybody who's thinking about writing a book, I mean, don't underestimate what an undertaking it is. It's a really, really significant thing to do. And that's why there's just a whole bunch of writers, but there's not very many authors. And it's because being an author and completing a book is extremely difficult to do.
3: I could only imagine. Uh, I tried to write something on my website, and I look like a dipstick, so I just <laughs> soon not write it. So, <laughs> so uh, props to you for, for tackling these, uh, these stories.
6: Well, I, I, just, I, I love doing it, but I would confess that it is a lot harder than it looks.
5: So, I want to talk more about this season and what we've seen with, you know, particularly the Outlaws. Um, it seems like a torch has been passed, ultimately, from Donnie Shots to these younger drivers coming in, like um, like Logan Schuhart, David Gravel, Carson Macedo, Sheldon Hodge, shield, Brad Sweet. Then mm-hmm. adding Aaron Reitzel next year. Um, what do you predict about the 2021 season when it comes to what we may see on the track and what driver may possibly stand out among them? Because the next year, the Outlaws, this is huge for the series. We have so many drivers that can compete for a championship next year. And I can't – usually it's been a talk between two, three drivers every year. But next year, there could be six or seven of them. So what, what do you think we'll see on the track? And uh, like I said, is any driver going to stand out to you?
6: Well, I think uh, the guy I would keep my eye on is Reitzel because uh, he has done – extremely well in every step up that he's made. Um, you know, when he went from 360s to 410s, um, you know, every time he has made that transition to a new team, whatever, he has shined. So, he's a guy I'll be looking at a lot next year, but I think you're right. There's a little bit of a we're in a phase of maybe a torch being passed. I think uh, if Donnie Schatz were joining us tonight on the podcast, he might take a little different position on that. But, um, (laughs) you know, and and nothing would surprise me. I mean, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if Donnie came back and won the championship next year by 800 points.
3: Yeah, Donnie's not done. He's
6: very capable. (laughs) He's not done, but not by a long shot. So, uh, but to your point, you're right. There's a lot of young talent, and, and uh, so you're asking me what you'll see next year. I'm going to base this on the last few years. Uh, I've done a lot with the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series, and they're in a similar scenario where they have literally eight or ten guys who have the equipment and the ability to really shine. So every year it's very tough when you're starting to make preseason predictions and all of that because you're like, man, this is deep. I mean, this pool is really deep. So what? how that's played out is it's been extremely difficult for anybody to really reel off a whole bunch of wins to build any kind of a point advantage. Um, So I think what you'll see next year with the Outlaws is that consistency is going to be everything. And I don't mean just consistency where you're running 12th every night. I mean, if you can run in the top five every single night and win 8, 10, 12 races, you're going to be in an excellent position. But it's going to be extremely hard to do that because the top five every night is extremely difficult.
5: I agree. Yeah. I'm going to throw this out there right now because we we're talking about the Lucas oil Model series. Ricky
6: Thornton wins it next year.
5: Calling it right now. He is going to dominate that series.
6: Well, he could. I mean, he's very stout. You know, he's a young guy with a lot of talent and definitely could happen. But it will – nobody I, – I I would disagree with you. There's no way anybody's going to dominate. That's my opinion. We'll see. <laughs> hey, but it hasn't been the last few years.
3: Hey, Travis, you know this is a sprint car show, right?
6: <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw it out there. I just, just, he
5: was talking about it, and I you know he does most of his work with them. I had to throw it out I'm there. Just, I'm just kidding
3: <laughs> with you. Yeah. I know
4: Weiss is the top customer.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm with you, Dave. I think that the Outlaws, uh, boy, uh, any one of eight drivers are going to win next year, and consist- consistency is going to be the key. Uh, I, I really love – I'm starting to really like Logan Shukart, and he had some awesome – he had a great season, but there were some races where he – he finished sixteenth and seventeenth, and that that you just can't do that with the Outlaws. And so, I look for bigger and better things out of him. Sheldon Hodenchild. There's it's going to be it could be a pretty stellar year next year for the world of Outlaws. So,
6: you know, and for Logan and Jacob and uh, Bobby, um, what a great story that is. You know, if you had seen those guys and, and really looked close at what they were doing you know, three or four years ago and running on used tires and, you know, other people's takeoffs and, and just that thing, that whole team was, uh, you know, duct tape and bubble gum holding them together and to see what they've done to move themselves into being contenders and winners. It's, it's wonderful. It's just one of the great stories of our time and that they talk about perseverance. Wow. Um, I, I, admire those guys and particularly Bobby. I've known him for a really, really long time. And back when he was racing and, um, uh, I, nobody deserves it more. It's just that simple. Nobody deserves it more.
3: Yeah, I agree. They came a long ways. Uh, several years ago, I've told this story on this, uh, this podcast a couple of times, but, uh, about five or six years ago, we were up in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and they, the, the, the outlaws were had a race there. And uh, the shark racing were sharing the hotel with uh, the hotel parking lot with us. And me and a friend went over there and started talking to the crew. And they were super nice. They asked, they answered every stupid question that we asked, and so forth. And by the end of the night, uh, both my friend and I brought out a fifty dollar bill and gave it to Logan and said, "Buy yourself pizza, diesel, whatever. But good luck to you." And and. Going from there, where they were, like you just said, piecing things together. Heck, they never even washed the cars. They would, they would scrape off the mud and 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 so forth. But uh, to where they are right now, I, I'm so happy for that team because they are a, a lot of fun to watch. And holy cow, Logan Shukar had a really great season this last year.
6: Yeah, but that that not scraping the car and all that that goes back a long ways because when Bobby was racing that old one A car. <laughs> I don't think there was a shiny piece on that race car and, <laughs> no. uh, and I'm talking, <laughs> no. you know, back in the seventies, you know, and, and, but that's what, that's how he preferred it. You know, he, Bobby is what I would call savvy. He's just very, very sharp on the car and what's happening. Just a really smart guy with that stuff. And to him, you know, that didn't make the car go any faster. So he focused very little of his effort in that area. And, um, that's kind of an extension of Bobby's personality, you know, and I just love it. He's a colorful guy and uh man. What, what a great story. Hey Dave, I got one more question
4: for you. And I know you kind of led into it a little bit with Bobby Allen, but what is a, um, you know, for we've got several people on this program right now that have come into sprint car racing at different times. What is like a story that maybe you feel hasn't been told or isn't well-known enough about some personality in racing that you think just really needs to be kind of part of the, you know, we all know the stories about Jack Hewitt and his, you know, his fiery personality and, you know, Brad Doty and stuff. What is a person that maybe whose story you think needs to have maybe a little more, you know, well-known amongst the racing community?
6: Boy, that's a great question. Um, You know, there, there are people that they were so pivotal uh, back in the day, you know, there were really famous people, famous in, in the context of sprint car racing, Carl Kinzer, uh, people like that. But there were so many people behind the scenes, um, you know, Kenny Woodruff, who just left us recently, um, he, he played such a big role in, um, just that very, very early period. He kind of helped define, you know, what a sprint car mechanic out on the road and, and how you do it. And um, and Bobby is in that mix too in that very discussion because Bobby Allen is what was once referred to as one of the original outlaws, him and Rick Verkle and Chuck Amati and a few guys like that. I mean, before there were officially a world of outlaws, um, I, I'm still always fascinated with that period of time in the mid seventies and how Ted Johnson kind of came upon the scene and, you know, through a series of very fortunate events, you know, who came to form the Outlaws. And, and I, it's hard because I was around at that time, and I know those stories, but I forget sometimes somebody that's younger and hasn't been around racing that long, they may not know all about that. So I guess this is a broad answer to your question, but I, I hope that we always keep telling that story and not just assume that everybody all knows how the world of outlaws started. Well, they they probably really don't. I'm going to ask you one more cl- question now. I'm going
4: to make it cliche <laughs> um, for for this sure. whole, for all this crazy season and it's Thanksgiving week. For all that's gone on this week, you know, and I've always seen you and read read your columns and seen you, you know, your posts on Facebook. You, you always are a glass half full kind of guy. What are some things that you know for all the craziness that went on this year that we can be thankful for? In the racing world
6: you know what i'm thankful for particularly this year was that we were able to race um back in april you know i'm i'm in the same boat as everybody else you know this thing is this virus thing is way bigger than any of us and we we weren't in control of any of this stuff and uh, back in april when everything was put on hold uh, i honestly wondered if we were going to get a race at all um and as it turned out for me personally in, in my little corner of the world, I ended up working as many T V events this year as I ever have. And, you know, to go around all summer and see people in the pit area and some fans in the stands, um it, I just counted that as a blessing because if we learn nothing else out of this deal, we ought to learn to not take basic things for granted. You know, we just assume there's going to be racing. We love it and we expect that we'll be able to enjoy it. And this has kind of been a wake up call. Maybe that the things that we assume are always going to be here, maybe they really aren't. So the thing I'm most thankful for this year is just simply be having the opportunity to race.
2: Yeah, definitely. That, that I think that's been a big, big key for everybody here this, this past year. Uh, Dave. I want to thank you for jumping on with us, but before we let you go, I, there's a couple things I want to know. I want to know: is there a book in progress, or is there a book that you, know, you that you wanna to, wanna to do with like you know maybe Steve Kinzer, Sammy Swindell, or something like that? And then, where can people find you know, more information on your books?
6: Okay, sorry, I'm interrupting you there. <laughs> no, no uh, problem. <laughs> first of all, you
2: can find my
6: books uh, find my books at Uh If you Google racing books by Dave my website will be the first thing that comes up. So it's not too hard to find all my books are there. Um, I'm trying to get a book finished with Jimmy Owens, a dirt late model racer with the Lucas series. And then um, I'm almost finished with that. And I'd really like to jump right into a project with Steve Kinzer. Steve and I have talked about it. I would like to do it. I think he'd like to do it. But again, back to what I was talking about earlier, I've just not been able to get rolling with him and, I'm hoping right after the first of the year that we can get that remedied because Steve has been a dear friend of mine for many, many years. He's an extraordinary person who had an extraordinary career, and I think that'd be a fun story to tell.
2: Yeah, I know Travis was excited about the late model book over there. (laughs) You know, you you guys... Yeah, I'll read it. Go
3: go ahead, Dave.
6: Well, I was just going to say, I mean, we all laugh and have a good time with the sprint car late model thing, but for me like a lot of people I, that I grew up with, with all kind of different racing pavement, late models, pavement, sprint cars, dirt, sprint cars, dirt, late models, uh, you know, drag racing Th- that was all around me growing up. So to me, it kind of feels natural to go back and forth, but, but I like it all. And, and I still, you know, sprint cars very, very close to me. I couldn't do enough late model races to not love sprint cars. Again, I, I will always love sprint cars and, always like to have one foot in each camp, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, definitely. I'm sorry. sorry. Um, I'm definitely a a late model fan, too. I grew up at a uh, mid-continent raceway in Donovan, Nebraska, so big late model country out there. And I I didn't get introduced to sprint cars until 99, 2000, so definitely still a late model fan over here.
3: I I don't expect you to to say you like wings versus non-wing sprint cars more than the other or whatever, but being there in Indiana, do you get to – I mean, it's got to be a variety of, of, of racing right there because right there from Indianapolis, you can go and for within an hour to several different great racetracks. I, I mean, I've been to Kokomo and uh, I love Kokomo. I've been there three times. I've seen the outlaws once and, and non wings twice. That track is amazing. Do you, do you get to get out and see much racing uh, unless you're working the, the racetrack?
6: Well, not as much as I'd like. Sometimes um, it is harder because the TV schedule has grown to the point where a typical week for me is, you know, I'll leave home Wednesday or Thursday and work through the weekend. And and I generally don't get home until whether I'm flying it, driving it, whatever, until Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. So uh, that makes it kind of tough. You know, it's tough to see a lot of extra stuff when you're working that many weekends. But when I can, I, I really like to get of the tracks around here uh, anderson's right up the road that's where i grew up kokomo you mentioned we've got we're very very fortunate to have so many great racetracks but you know on the flip side eldora is just two hours away i mean there's lots of variety um and and you know i think that's really something that's uh, great here in the midwest you know we we don't just see one thing
3: okay i'm gonna I'm
6: go ahead travis
5: is your wife a racing fan or is she kind of just stay in the background and this is your thing
6: yeah that's that's kind of it i mean she's very very supportive uh very supportive in every way and uh she'll come with me sometimes you know but if you didn't grow up around this and you don't have the fire in your belly it's pretty hard to have a good time when dirt and mud's raining down all over you and you're, you know what I mean, you're getting pelted by mud balls and, you know, you and I can say, well, yeah, but that's just part of the deal. But if you don't come from this deal to to come into that and, and embrace it, that's pretty hard to do. And, uh, you know, I've been at this so long that none of that stuff bothers me, but but she's a little more particular than I am. So So a lot of times if she comes with me, I try to get her situated where she's not at least going to be bombed. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, my wife hates it. I I brought her to a couple different races. I brought her to the nationals one year, and she fell asleep in the car. In well, we were parked in the infield on on Saturday night at the nationals, and she fell asleep in the car. So, she's definitely not a race fan.
6: Yep, and, yep. And you know, I mean, it's if it's not your thing, it's not, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know.
3: And and I'm in the same boat. My my wife is not a fan. She never grew up around it. Uh, the worst mistake I ever made was I took her out to Eagle one night, and the wind was out of the north in the middle of the summer, dirty, dusty track, and we ate dirt all night long. And my, my daughter and I didn't care, but she did not like it. But bless her heart, she told me for my 55th birthday, which was just a couple of weeks ago, she's going to pay for me and our, our family to go to any racetrack in the country that we want to go to. And so I get my choice. So I'm putting this on you, Dave. What, if you had one race to go to... Which race would it be? And and I go to Knoxville every weekend, so that's out of the question.
6: <laughs> yeah, there's um, there's several places I would recommend to you. Um, uh, and one, I'm, I'm going to confess to being a Homer on okay. this. I grew up near I grew up near Anderson and the Little Five Hundred up there on Memorial Day weekend. I, I love all kind of racing, but I'm telling you, and this is a fact: if if I could only get to go see one. All year, it would probably be that one.
3: Really, that's uh, because interesting.
6: Because it's two, it's two hours of pure adrenaline excitement. You know, you can take somebody to that race, and if they're not a race fan, they might be one by the end of the night because it's it's exciting, and there's not a bad seat in the house. So, but that's just me, you know. And again, that's partly because I grew up there. Uh, but I would recommend, you know, there's a lot of other very cool race tracks, uh, Port Royal. If you get a chance, uh, you could go out to Pennsylvania. Anything in central Pennsylvania is fabulous. Uh, Lincoln, uh, the Grove, it's just an atmosphere that it's hard to describe. Those people are fanatics, and uh, it, there's a lot of other history around there if you're into that. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would recommend maybe something out there. But, you know, there's you know Skagit, if you could get out there, that's a really long way. Uh, but uh, that I highly recommend the dirt cup. That's a pretty cool weekend. and um, you got you got a lot to think about because uh, there are if you think about the big events that are going on, we're very fortunate right now. A lot of promoters have stepped up and they've made big weekend events and they've made a lot of great destinations and and that's a fairly new phenomenon. you know, to have that many, potential great weekends and it'd be it'd be there's a lot you got a lot of choices there
3: yeah i my family went to skagit one night and my daughter and i loved it we sat in turn three and four Um, paul mcmahon told us if you go to skagit make sure you take goggles because you're going to eat dust all night and we're like how can how bad can it be well we walked in and people are wearing (laughs) ski goggles and we're like he was yeah. serious. Well, my, my wife spent the A feature in the car. My daughter and I absolutely love it. And we can't wait to get back. Uh, I have been to Williams, Grove, and Lincoln. So my top three are Eldora, Port Royal, and then Tulare and the, the, uh, the silver, Telet- silver Cup? Gold Cup. Gold Cup. But uh, um yeah, the Gold
6: Cup at Chico is also another one. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah,
3: but Brad Doty said, of course, you got to go to the Doty Classic. So, I, I do have some thinking to do. But right now, it's between uh, probably Eldora and Port Royal. But uh, yeah, thanks for your input. There are there are so many storied tracks out there that I can't wait to get to.
6: Yeah, and you can't go wrong with Eldora either. I mean, you walk in there and the history just overwhelms you. It's just a great experience. And again, that place too just filled with passionate fans. It's just a great experience.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, Dave, I want to thank you for jumping on and taking time out of your Tuesday night to join in a a low-budget podcast (laughs) like us. Uh, We definitely were entertained and had some great stories, so uh, thanks for taking time out of your day.
6: Well, I'm a low-budget guy, so we fit really well together.
3: How awesome was that? That was the sh- that was the longest 20-minute interview we've ever had, I think. That yeah, was awesome.
2: Yeah, definitely. It was it was definitely a great interview. I want to thank Travis for jumping on and, and kind of hooking that deal up.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, thanks Travis. Fantastic.
2: All right, with that, we're going to take a quick break and uh we got a surprise guest uh kind of kind of a last minute kind of deal where we're going to be joined by uh I want to say local legend, but I don't want that to go to his head. Tad Holliman is going to join the program. So guys, uh, hang tight and we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. (laughs) All right, guys welcome back to the show uh we are now joined by like i said earlier i don't want it to go to his head but local legend tad holliman tad has been a uh a fixture in the uh 360 racing scene for shit 25 years now if not more tad man how's it going good guys how's it going with you guys man oh uh, i can't complain we're sitting here drinking some beers and telling racing stories on a tuesday night nothing wrong with that
0: there's nothing wrong with that at all man
2: so tad uh I don't even know how to describe it. Our friendship is just a little bit different than than <laughs> what somebody would want what we would say as a friend, but uh I mean shit, I don't even I can't even tell you where I you know I I know where I met you was Eagle Raceway, but I can't even tell you how it became, you know, we became friends, but uh we've definitely had some stories throughout the years mainly chili bowl thanks to Mike Peterson. Uh
0: <laughs> Yeah, yes. Mike is Mike is always good entertainment.
2: Yeah, definitely. And speaking of the Chili Bowl, we we do have some breaking news that uh, Brad just broke uh, just a second ago. Uh, Brad, uh looks like Tad has some competition this year.
3: Yeah, Tad, uh, get used to a orange and white number nine in front of you because Chase Elliott, NASCAR points champion for the year, has just announced that he is going to be in the Chili Bowl this year driving a, I don't even, can't die edge Rock Tools number nine. So uh, uh, look for more uh I don't even know what you want to call them NASCAR fans. Well, limited NASCAR fans coming to the Chili Bowl. They're then they're coming to watch you, but they're going to get a bonus by watching Chase Elliott.
0: <laughs> man, that's some big news. Yeah, I, I know he's been wanting to do it for a couple of years, and he's finally get the chance to do that. That should draw. That should draw some people to watch it on TV. Anyway, I'm not for sure about the crowds, but but yeah, no, that's that's some big news, man.
2: Tad's Tad, gonna Tad's gonna wreck him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I don't. I really don't think we're gonna make it down this year. Um, oh, really?
3: That was my next question. You yeah, mean, you're always a staple, the chili bowl, and and you you it's just something you always have done. And and I was gonna ask you why you don't ever race a midget except for those two or three days in January. Why the chili bowl? But uh, you're not gonna make it.
2: Well, it's because it's grass yeah, older than dirt. That's
0: that is the, that is the big thing. Is that I am probably the youngest on the crew and I'm 51. So, <laughs> so yeah, dad, dad was pretty hesitant a couple of weeks ago and I don't blame him. I mean, I mean, we've, we've got some people vulnerable in our, in our family that if they catch it, you know, it's, it's, it's not a good. So, oh, for sure. so yeah, it, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks to be taking a year off. I mean, we've done it all of them. I think we missed the first two. Dad started the third year. And it's just been something we've always done. Um, of course, me, I want to take the midget out more, but the guys who own the car, dad and the two brothers, you know, they're like, yeah, this is kind of an investment for us. You know, let's just, let's just keep it for the chili bowl. And actually we had some races we wanted to go to this year some power. I races and such around here, but then, you know, the pandemic kind of threw your inch and all that. So, so be looking to take it out a few times next year.
2: Well, your dad's seen you drive. So that's probably why he wants to keep that in the garage.
0: Yeah, yeah, he kind of likes looking at it better than repairing it.
3: So, <laughs> didn't you buy? That, <laughs> didn't you buy that thing down in the Chili Bowl? Yeah, one
0: year we had just we had that Pontiac motor, and it freaking it just running like shit. And we finally said, you know, hey, if we're going to come down here, we we got to do this right. So, so yeah, we bought this spike down there, and it's been a good car. Um, but like you know, Chili Bowl, you just got to have luck down there,
2: right? For sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it sounds like you might actually have another day or so to take that thing out next year. It sounds like the, the, uh, uh, Midwest midget championship over at Jefferson County is going to try to make it a three day show instead of a two day show. So, uh, definitely bring it down. Yeah. Cause it's wow. just right down the road from you.
0: Yeah, we actually had hotel rooms and everything for this year. And then, you know, with the pandemic hit, we just, we kind of backed off. So no, yeah, that'd be good if it's a two day show and we'll definitely be there.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Let's, uh, we, we mentioned kind of, you know, some concussions, uh, throughout. So you, your memory might be a little bit foggy. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that I, I'm sure you don't remember any of it except for waking up from it. But, uh, I want to say it was 2011, uh, our good dear friend, Mark Schmidt kind of swift your ass, basically <laughs> and the, one of the worst wrecks I've seen at Eagle Raceway. And, and that, I want to say that's like the only time I've actually been super concerned because, other than that, I've been always been a fan in the stands. I've never really known the drivers, but over the time, like I said, before me and you became really good friends, and that was one of the times right. that I saw my friend was hurt down there, and so I was really concerned about it. Uh, kind of take us through that night a little bit. I mean, I don't know if you remember a whole hell of a lot from it. Actually,
0: no, not really. At the time, at the time, Mike Boston was leading points. Dad was second, and I was third. So we had Joe Ors did a little photo shoot for i think it was the nebraska cup was coming up so we did a photo shoot with it where us three were going to be on the banner for it i remember getting our, my, our pictures taken for that and then the next thing i remember is like sunday morning waking up in the hospital um i'm kind of glad i don't remember much of it i've kind of seen some, some film of it not very good film but some of it and yeah, it looked like Trevor and, and Mark got together going into three and I tried to dive underneath and Trevor got shot down into me and, and yeah, his, it looked like the front, the left front of his frame came into the cage and he caught my helmet and my arm. And that's what broke my arm and, and gave me a couple bruises. But, um, yeah, thankfully I don't remember much of the crash, but, uh, that next
2: week in the hospital sure wasn't fun. Yeah, definitely. I remember coming up and visiting you, and like I said, that's one of the very few times I've been actually concerned for a friend. Uh, you mentioned that it kind of happened in turn three. I remember this was before I knew you, and uh, it was you and your dad, you are racing, and you guys kind of wrecked each other from what I remember in, in turn <laughs> three. And I'm looking at it, and as, from a fan, as a fan standpoint, I didn't know any of the drivers down there. I just saw two identical cars kind of painting the same. And I'm looking. I go, look at these two fucking idiots. that are crashing their own shit.
0: <laughs> I think that's pretty much what my dad probably told me to after the race.
7: <laughs>
0: you freaking idiot! <laughs> I'm sure it was his fault somehow, but I'm sure I got the blame for
3: it. Well, Tad, uh, we make fun and we we have of the crashes and so forth. But tell us, let's talk positive. What's what's your biggest? your biggest win or your best memory of being a sprint car driver for all these years, because there's a lot of armchair quarterbacks out there that think they can do it better. But, um, if it was easy, everybody would do it. So tell us what is your best memory of, of, of being a sprint car driver in all these years?
0: Oh man, there's, there's so many. I mean, like you said, it's really not even the wins because I mean, I don't have that many, but, um, you know, it's just the friendships you make like you guys and, uh, you know, you pull into a track and you, and you see, see people you haven't seen for a couple of weeks and, and the friendship just kicks off or or something like that. But some of the best races I've, I liked was, actually was in a midget at the Chili Bowl. I think maybe it was 2013. I made the A feature on my qualifying night. And, you know, here I am lining up next to like John Sambro, Billy or Chad Boat. Uh, Darren Pittman I think started next to me. Um, wow. Corey Kruzman was in it, you know, just all the yeah, just all these legends and I'm looking at, how the hell did I get into this? You know?
7: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and and uh, you know, so no, that was that's probably one of the biggest. And then, then of course, you know, the three oh five nationals, um, the night I won my qualifier and yeah. then ran second to Dover. Yeah. That was a pretty big weekend, you know, that was only like what second or now, well, maybe fourth or fifth time in the three hundred five, but still, you know, That was that was a pretty big weekend for me and the guys. And then, you know, of course, anytime, any, anytime like beat my dad was probably the <laughs> biggest.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: and then, uh, th- go and ahead. then another one was probably that. Oh, and then the probably another one was when that that first win back from my from my crash. You know, the following year um, at Eagle, that, that was a big relief just to, just to know I could come back after something like that and and, win. So. Well, just, I
3: don't, I don't know you very well. I mean, I've talked to you a lot over the races and through the races and so forth, but just your easygoing attitude, it it, it just makes you so approachable. And, 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 and I think that's what, that's, what's enjoyable for me is, I, I mean, there's no reason for you to, need to know me for any reason but you made it easy over the years we could i could come up to you and just talk and that's what racing's all about is you develop these relationships with people and and and, and i've even told my wife i think she would enjoy it more if she would Give it a chance as far as getting to know some of the drivers and 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 wives and crew members of the teams. And I'll tell you what, when she goes to Knoxville, Iowa, she, she does know some some people through my daughter. Then and she seems to really enjoy herself. But uh, I, I think you're you're just really approachable, and that makes it really easy for it to get to know you. And and then of course, obviously, you cheer yourself. We we cheer you on when you're out on the track because of that. So I uh, appreciate yeah. appreciate you being so approachable.
0: No, I appreciate you, appreciate you saying that. You know, I mean, you know, I grew up at a racetrack. I mean, you know, I'm pretty much born at the racetrack and it's been all my life. And, and the fans and, and other things, that's the best part of it. And and knowing you guys and such. Um, but yeah, like you said, yeah, just get to know the drivers and, and their personalities behind, you know, away from the wheel. And it, it's a
2: lot of fun. I think that's how me and you fit in so well because we're both kind of assholes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly that's yeah, Before we get along I mean instead of waving at each other we just give each other the finger and we know yep hey hey Brandon how you doing
3: well that yeah. was that was it's my next good. that was my next question yeah. over unders how many pictures does Brandon have of you flipping off the camera one from every <laughs> racetrack
1: <laughs> well yeah.
0: It, the ones that are in focus, you know, you know, sometimes he has a problem. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> that,
3: that, that's funny right there. I don't
2: care who you are. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no, um, no, no what, it's just, um, go ahead, Tad.
0: No, I just, I don't even know how it even really started. You know, I just, I couldn't maybe see him taking a picture of me. So i just sneak the finger in and he just kind of grew over time. I'd be out on the track and I'd look for him and I'd give him the finger and and kind of just took off from there. But I think probably, yeah, every track we've been to, every race we've been to, we got at least one shot.
2: The best part was uh, <laughs> Jeff White looks a lot like that, especially from a distance. <laughs> yeah. and, and Jeff was, uh, God, I don't remember exactly where we were. It was... Donovan. Was, yeah, yeah uh, Donovan, Don- I yeah, think Don- it was. Yeah, Donovan. And Dad rolls by. And I'm not taking a picture at the time, but he rolls by and there goes a finger. And, well, Jeff was taking a picture at the time. And he kind of looks at it and he goes, what the fuck did I do to deserve this? <laughs> but no, just, it, was was guilty. Thinking it was dad thinking it was me. <laughs> yeah.
0: Guilty by association. He was standing next to Brandon, so yeah, he just got it too. <laughs> well,
2: Ted,
3: I, got a yeah, I,
4: I think I caught that too. Yeah, I think I got one of the Brandon's, uh, you know, one of his. Um, what do you call it? Indirect flip-offs, too. I think so, I was in yeah. the same corner. So. No, that was directed <laughs> towards
2: to you, Jason. It was directed towards well, you.
0: probably.
2: <laughs>
0: that's why you, should, that's why you need to watch out who you hang out with, Jason. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not
3: good. Well, Ted, yeah. Ted, I got a question for you about the 360 race. Yeah. You, you know that uh, Dennis Parker um, re- resigned or retired from being the director of the Nebraska 360s. What do you see the future is of nebraska 360 sprint car racing uh um i i don't see i think we're on life support but i want to know what 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 are your opinions of what's going to happen this next year
0: that's you know that is that was a tough thing to see dennis retire from that because he pretty much you know had brought the 360s back for us and to see him step away i know i know he wants to relax so it's good for him and and I appreciate everything he's done for us, but yeah, I the 360 scene is is gonna take a hit because um, there really wasn't that many of us before, right. um, and I really don't. I, I mean, I've heard that a couple guys are wanting to move up, but you hear that every year, and then you never see any new. We, you know, I don't think we've had any new fresh ones for a while.
2: I think I'm was the last to think one. Back. I think Shaley was the last I think one to right. jump from a 35 yeah. to Or maybe 60. the Danley
3: kid. One of. Them. Well, he yeah, he's
0: yeah a, Joey and has been Joey, off and on. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, Joey and Shaley probably about the last two that I've seen you know, come up and and actually done pretty good too. But um, yeah, so I just don't see nobody coming into it, and that's kind of where we're at right now. You know, I got I got three 360s right now. One of them, you know, all three of them are hurt. Um, so do I dump money into that? Or do I dump money into um, uh, my mechanics? Mechanics. God damn it, Darren. (laughs) (laughs) Darren, God damn Darren and Dad. Um, (laughs) But um, so, yeah, do do we dump money back into them or do we buy a 305 and just go have some fun?
2: Yeah, there's so That's kind there's,
0: of where we're at right now.
2: There's definitely nothing wrong just just having going out and having fun. You're one of the rare guys that has a 360 win and a 305 win here in in in, in the state. So I, I think no matter what yeah. you what you get into, you're going to definitely be competitive as long as you don't spin out.
0: Exactly. You know, if I, if if the spin outs don't happen, I think we can we can win some,
7: but
0: <laughs> <laughs> But in yeah, um it's like I said it's just I'm far enough into my I don't know what you call these career or whatever but um, you know we're far enough into it where we just want to go have some fun you know we may travel up to South Dakota and go race we may go down into Missouri and do some racing this next year but we're not really going to have a set schedule we just we just want to go out and have some fun
2: do you do you have a favorite track that you like to go to
0: oh there, uh, I don't know I would say favorite, I mean, you know, the Chili Bowl, I like it just because of the everything there, you know, just because it's the Chili Bowl, the atmosphere and the racing. Um, Eagle, I do like Eagle just because of the high banks and the speed. Um, the new one that has come up, though, recently is Norfolk um, just because it sits there on that river bottom and it's always cowboy up and is such a fast little track. Um, so it's, it's a new one that's been, I've been liking a lot
2: lately. Tad, you're getting old. I didn't know you liked those cowboy up tracks.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it separates yeah, the, men from the boys. You know,
2: exactly.
0: Exactly. If I, if I had a little more horsepower, I'd like them a lot better, but, uh, <laughs> no, we always had fun. With them. <laughs> is, is we always that, had a good time on them.
3: For, forgive me, but is that off road? Is that yeah. what that is? Okay. I've never, yeah. been, I've, never yep. been there. Yep. I've never been there. Yeah. I've never been
0: there. Oh so. man. It, oh, you guys, the sprint cars on it is just freaking incredible. Yeah, you guys you guys would definitely like it.
3: Well, do I spend that one ex- all expense paid trip to go to Norfolk next? <laughs> not, <week>? not, <laughs> not, not not there. Not not there. Hey,
2: i Brad, I'll tell you where to go. You go to Stewart Speedway. <laughs> to Stewart Speedway that's where you go. No. <laughs> no. Ted, have you ever yeah, been there? I don't there? know about that. <laughs> Stewart? Yeah. No, I have not. Okay, uh, we, uh, back when we first started the podcast, we kind of did you know a little rundown of, of who won, and for some odd reason, the Stewart Speedway always popped up with a three hundred five race. So it's and, it, and, and, and we've, it's one track that we've never heard of,
3: and one guy's won all of them. And we I was on my way to uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, this summer, and we were just driving down the highway, and all be heck, we we come across Stewart, Nebraska, and I'm like. Holy shit! This is this is where Stewart Speedway is. So, so I drive through. My wife goes, "Well, we better go look at the racetrack." So I'm like, "Hell yeah!" So I turn around and we go look around the racetrack. I'm like, "I'll be damned! I did not even know that there was a such thing as Stewart Speedway." It was a cool little track. It's dated and everything, but it was a cool little track. And hell, we ought to have a road trip up to Stewart Speedway this next year we're, and we're see going if we can to. beat. What was his name? Steve Dvorak? Bob Dvorak. Bob, Bob Dvorak? Yeah. D-
0: Say Dvorak, yeah, I think that was the name I always seen, but
3: yeah, well, it was, it was, it was just a pretty cool, nostalgic track to to stop by and well, yeah. look at.
2: Now, now, is there a is that- race track that you haven't raced at that you want to race at? Oh,
0: there's a lot of them. Um, I'd really like to, yeah, all of them, yeah. <laughs> I really like to, uh, I'd really like to do go down the lakeside, um. And that's just because, just because you know, dad has raced late models down there. So I just kind of like to do that. I mean, because I ran Corny, you know, back growing up, he ran late models over there. So to run a sprint car on it was kind of cool to run on the same track that he's raced on before. Now
2: you, now you mentioned and then, was
4: the big 5.8s, right? Yeah. That was the big track, right? Yep. Yeah, the big track. Yep. Yep.
0: But, and then, um, of course, Belleville. I'd always like to go there. You're so mentioning all that, these tracks I- that
2: are close to you. I mean, you can load up that car and go down there. And you know that, right?
0: Yes, I do. I do. I just I just need to get my owners on
2: board. That's the problem. with is, is owners just own your own shit? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so as soon as I get my two daughters out of here, then I can own those. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, you're getting closer every year. You're getting get closer every year. Yes, I <laughs> So you mentioned I that got you're
2: six months. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> I
0: just say I got six months on this last kid, so. So we're about close.
2: <laughs> so you mentioned your dad <laughs> uh, ran late models. How did you get your start in racing?
0: Um. Oh, I just jumped into sprint cars. Well, actually, yeah, back in, I don't know, it was like 86, 85, I was I got four for years Christmas, old. I, got, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am old, oh, Jesus. Um, I'd gotten a I helmet for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> we're all old yeah. Um, yeah. anyway i got a uh, i got a helmet for christmas so it kind of implied that you know the following year i was going to start doing some racing well this is all a surprise to my mom and there was a holy hell fit through there and <laughs> uh, <laughs> my mom won out so i went to college for four years played some football in college and then as soon as i graduated from college i uh Jumped into a sprint car, got my own sprint car, raced it for a couple of years, and then um, bought it from Brent Morris and Jeff Griffiths mm. in 19, 1993, I think it was, and with the winner of 93. Put it together, started in 94, um, 95, I was most improved driver at Eagle, and more. then I think it was like... It was very low bar. I think I, I think that's probably the only the only guy. <laughs> anyway, and then I don't know I don't know what year it was. I drove, like I said, I drove my own for a while, and then Dad got burnt at um, Eagle, blew a motor, and burned his ankles, and had skin grafts and done. So Elden put me in the car the following week, and then pretty much ever since then I was in the twenty three or twenty three R.
2: Yeah, that's that's how I've known you. He's always been that twenty three R car. So it's it's kind of yeah. it's kind of cool to hear how you got into that ride.
0: Yeah, he kind of a kind of a screwed up deal, you know, dad getting burnt and all. But yeah, um, yeah and then to the hop into it. And, no and wonder he took job the... for
2: you. He, t- exactly. he took his ride. <laughs> I took his
0: ride. I took his midget ride. You know, he, he kind of hates me. I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well,
3: it's pretty cool that Elden. Uh, fielded two cars for you it, just because yeah and you you drove that I, I'm with you Brandon uh, when you say Tad it's it's the 23R car forever and a day
2: it was always the That's lower famous, end yeah. it was always the lower end 23 car though because that that always had the top end shit
0: <laughs> exactly yeah I had to hand me down well, I, I but think, um yeah no I think that, no, that was uh, really cool
3: yeah I think that uh, that uh wheel um that, that one guy always uh, put up a fund for for right rear tires, and I think I think you got one or two of those over the years, and and a helmet yeah. at at one point because you you cracked your the one that you had.
0: Yep, exactly. No, exactly. Um, yeah, gave me a couple right rear tires, and I got a helmet that one time because I think a couple of weeks before it, it got cracked, got hit or something. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that and then and like I said, Elden, Elden does. Eldon, probably one of the best car owners ever. I mean, that guy was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, to field two cars and then to field the third one with two. I mean, he just loved racing. I mean, he just lived for racing.
2: Yeah. You mentioned car owners. And if, if you ask me name a car owner at Eagle Eldon's definitely the first one to come to mind. Cause other than that, I, I don't yeah. think there's any car owners out there other than the guys who own their own shit.
0: Not any not not like there was back in the day. I mean, you know, no. when you talk when you talk to owners, you talk like Tony Porto, um, Noel Chad, um, Eldon Roden. You know those guys, you, uh, um, Swenson, Gary Swinson. You know, you talk about them guys and and all the different drivers they would have. But now, like you said, nowadays there's I don't think there's, there's owners anymore like that.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's, it's guys like you know Stu who owns it. I mean, I guess. You know, I guess Love owns Sue's car, but I mean, with you know, Sue's three sixty. Gillian yep. own, Gillian owns his own stuff. You know, Shaley owns her own stuff. So I mean, it's it's definitely changed along the way.
3: Ted, Ted, do, you, has. do you own your three sixty, or does somebody else own your three sixty? The three
0: sixty, um, Brent Pick has the frame. Owns the frame. Okay, and and then everything else is ours. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. You haven't bent that frame yet.
0: No, no, that one's been, that one's been pretty good. We don't, we haven't gone fast enough.
2: It, haven't been, it
0: hasn't been bitch slapped yet. <laughs> it hasn't been bitch slapped yet. And yeah, you gotta go fast to crash them. So I just kinda think, see, I just kinda,
3: see, Tad. that's why we all I love you. you. You can even make fun of yourself. I know, it, Tad, it, it's, it's
2: fun. That's great. I love Tad. I
4: see Tad between the green and the checkered flag. And that dude is intense.
2: Oh, definitely. So don't, don't don't
4: don't let that little
2: call happy-go-lucky me before <laughs> I, I, the race. Is full I yet. have I have
4: that dude. I've seen him on on freaking fire. I, oh. I threw
2: I threw a GoPro inside Tad's car during the chili bowl, and after after he flipped me off. Granted, this was before you know the race started, uh, but he's intense. I mean, he's no bullshit. and oh. fucking goes all oh, out. Yeah. So I just sat there. I mean, I just
0: my my foot starts pounding sitting in there waiting to get lined up and yeah I start I start building up intensity and uh that's kinda how I played football in college too. I was pretty intense back then and I, I got a few few penalties that I probably shouldn't have for being <laughs> too intense but uh,
7: <laughs> Where
3: where did you play in what position?
0: Um I was a free safety down at uh, McPherson College in McPherson Kansas, a little Okay. McPherson a little NAIA school. Um yeah, I I played there for uh Five years. I got a red shirt one year, and no, uh,
2: he, he was just dumb. And, Don't let him kid you. <laughs> well, I was dumb
0: too. So yeah, hell yeah, I was dumb. I mean, I'm a sprint car driver. I'm not very bright.
3: but, So, uh, so you had yeah, concussions way before you jumped into a sprint car. Oh,
0: most definitely. That's why he most got into a sprint definitely. car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. it, it molded my brain. Then, so yeah. So I played uh, played football there. All conference for three years, All American, my senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you remember, this is like back when the World Football League um, was coming in, like one year, like one or two years, the World Football League. And I got invited to the draft camp. I got invited to the draft camp. I'm all excited to go to that, you know. I'm thinking, oh, man, here I am. And I'm like, fuck, a month later, it folds because, you know, they ran out of money. So
7: I was <laughs> <I'm> like, well. <laughs>
0: I guess, I guess I'm to be a sprint car driver now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Good stuff. Definitely. Oh, so ta- yeah. what's, what's in the kind of, uh, what's kind of in the future for you? I mean, I know you want to get the three or the 360 going. Is there a chance to get a 305 yeah. or Yeah, no, um, no, we'll probably have a three Oh
0: five. Um, and we'll be doing some three Oh five racing. And, uh, Maybe a couple of 360 shows, but it's probably going to look like it's probably going to be about a, all 305 shows this, this next summer. Boo. Yeah. I know,
2: dude. But, I, hey, it's racing, shit. and it beats sitting at home on the couch. And, and that's why I
3: that's love three, that's why I like 305s is because not everybody can afford a 360 or a 410, and you've got to do what you can do, and you've got to take care of yourself. And, and if,
0: Exactly. You know, and that's,
3: if 305s is yep. where it's and at, that's, then that's what you've got to do.
0: Exactly. And that's, you know, I mean, and I'll be the first to admit, you know, like I said, I've drove them both and they are slower and that's no offense to the, to the guys that race them and, you know, think they're absolutely the fastest things on earth. Um, but just to me going from a 360 to a 305, it, they slowed down quite a bit. Um, but like you said, you know, I just, I can't afford a $40,000, you know, 360 to go race what six times, you know, around here in a, in a hundred mile radius and,
3: and to win a thousand dollars too.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, too. we're just, <laughs> yeah, we're just starting 300, BMA, 300 right? to start or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> 300 to start. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so, so like I said, that's what we, that's probably what we're going to have to do is just like I said, we just want to go out and have some fun. So if it's a 305 racing then that's what we'll do.
2: I know uh, from talking to Jack Dover uh, and him running that 410 at Knoxville for the year and then coming back down to the 360, that kind of helped him out. You know, you know the 360 is obviously definitely a, oh. little, a lot slower than a 410. Does that help you with, you know, coming from the 360 to 410, or the 360 to 305, just everything slowing down? Does that help you at all? Or Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes, most definitely. Like, um, weekend at the three, 305 Nationals, Um, when we had a good weekend, um, just everything was just, it just slows down for you. (laughs) Um, a pretty good feature win too.
2: Definitely. Um, Mm.
0: but anyway, um, but yeah, they just slow down so much. You know, your reaction, you have time to react. And about the only thing is that you just don't have, when you step on it, you just don't have the power to get out of a situation. You just don't have that instant burst like in a 360 or 410. But, yeah, and even in the midget, going from a 360 to the midget, because the midget's just a little bit slower. Um, So, yeah, things just slow down for you, and uh, it all works out.
2: You mentioned that a midget's slower than the 360, but by watching those guys, it definitely doesn't look slower. I mean, they they have a fucking handful. No.
0: Oh, they are. They're a definite handful. I mean, Jesus, you know, you're talking, what, 700 horse? And you're weighing what?
2: A thousand eight hundred
0: pounds. pounds. Yeah, it sounds yeah if that. You know, a chili bowl car, chili bowl car. I think they've got them down to nine hundred eight fifty. So um, yeah, no, they are twitchy as hell on small tracks like that.
2: Now, do you have a preference on what you want to drive? I mean, if you could run a full midgets schedule or a full three hundred and sixty schedule, th- full three five, full wingless or whatever, do you have a preference on what you want to do? I mean, what's what's most fun for you?
0: I would do, I would do the midget. The midget, I love driving fucking the fucking midget. rights.
2: Midgets are they like I badass. said? They just
0: they oh, they are. I mean, you just get on the fucking you know, you press the gas and you pull the front wheels up real quick. And, I mean, you're just you're just on that right rear, and yeah, no, they're just so much fun.
2: That that's why one of my favorite photos of you is at the chili bowl with with that old shitty Pontiac, and you jump oh, on yeah. it and wheels are <laughs> standing high in the ground. I'm like, I didn't know Tad found the accelerator pedal like that.
0: <laughs> well, I think my foot slipped.
2: That's it. it onto, <laughs>
0: yeah, it, 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 I, I had it resting up on the torque tube, and it he, fell off. Onto he, the hit the honest, fell he, he hit the berm. Let's be honest, he
2: hit the berm.
0: I caught the berm with the left front to transfer all that weight. I thought, oh yeah, here's Brandon out here. He's gonna get a good shot. So I just it. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: And then the damn thing was out of focus, and you couldn't see it anyway.
2: Exactly. No, it was in focus afterwards. It was in focus. I just cut half the car off, okay? My bad <laughs> shit. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, you,
0: you, didn't see the, you didn't see the back wheels. All you could just see is the front wheels up. It's because he was running the bottom. So,
2: I mean, you know, <laughs> any real man knows that you ripped the lip.
0: Well, back again, that goes back to my car owners where they tell me, you know, hey, take it easy, just go putter on the bottom. We don't want to tear things up. so I blame my car owners for all this. Hey, They're keeping me down.
3: Bobby Allen won a lot of races by going on the bottom. So did Daniel Osowski. Oh, man.
0: Wasn't that one of the best nationals ever,
3: Bobby no. Allen? No, because he beat no, Samus I know, because so I he beat Samus am <laughs> a freaking Samus
0: Wendell. Hey, I'm a... T- <laughs> I'm one of the biggest Sammy Sundell fans too, so I kind of disappointed them too. But still, just to see Scruffy—I mean, that was that was a good time. I was it down in Turns One and Two watching that.
3: It was a great race. There's no question about that. Yeah.
2: Now, have you yeah, ever I ran was. Knoxville? I think you have. But
0: yeah, we did. Yeah, the, we were over there a couple of years ago with the NE360 group. How'd you do back? Yeah, um, yeah, we were there. Concession <laughs> stand and food was good. <laughs> that's back that's back when um when i first started driving that 41 p car um Brett dick's car it had that experimental motor in it um it had like an i can't even remember what the hell it was
2: did you L- it had like coil pack did you ls swap it was like it? an ls 360
0: <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yeah Pretty much, but it was a yeah it was that experimental motor that he was trying out and uh it had a weird power band and knoxville just was not a good track for
2: it now, now you mentioned kind of the experimental motor i mean all the shit all the cars today are store-bought so i mean you kind of came up from a guy who had a little bit of innovation in, in their sprint cars and whatnot now it's all store-bought stuff how if the how could you change that store bot stuff to bring that innovation back and make things go faster?
0: Oh, I don't know if you can anymore. I mean, just the designs and everything is just are so good that I don't know if there's anything you can.
2: So it's just spend money to go fast now?
0: Just spend. That's all it is. I mean, whoever's got the most money will probably win.
2: So you're saying Kyle Larson is not talented and it's just because he's spending the most money. <laughs> Kyle Larson. <laughs> Kyle Larson is
0: a different breed. I mean, that guy... That guy is incredible. I mean, just to step into anything and win like he does. Not many drivers come around like that.
2: He could probably win in your car. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Let me speak the other way, though,
4: Tad. What's that? What what about the other way, Tad? What um, What would you do to maybe bring 360s back? Or, you know, kind of bring them back. Because I mean, we talked about how expensive it is. What are some changes that you might make to see if you could, if, if you were in that
0: role, what would
4: you, Take do you
2: try to Hey, the wings way? off.
0: Yeah. I would, I'd probably, you need to have the cars.
2: They're yeah.
7: just
0: so locked down right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's, I mean, that has to do with shocks, you know, wings in the right rear. Um, You know, you could do something with all of them, but that's that's the issue right now, is it? these cars are so locked down that, that it just takes horsepower.
4: I always thought that that was the biggest thing that killed three sixty or made it what it was. I mean, it made it great in one end, but on the other hand, it was, I, I, I still love the 16 foot wings on them. I mean, to me, that was just yeah. the way, it, way it needed to be.
0: Yep. Oh yeah. I mean, what was that? We did that with our first couple of years, 94 and 95. I know yeah, like I it was, it was
4: 95, when it, when it
0: went over to the big wings. Yeah, no that that absolutely that really hurted a lot yeah I would I would cut down on the wing and and unhook the right rear
2: <laughs> okay um, I'm gonna date you date you a little bit where was your when and where was your first race?
0: Uh, it's gonna be Eagle Raceway back in 1994. How'd you do? Oh, probably freaking spun out.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so you didn't, you didn't make the show, or did you? You know, you know did you? Was, I, it, was I, it one of those deals where you had to start last in your heat race because you're a rookie, or anything like that? I
0: no, I don't think so. But I think back then there was, you know, what was it, 40 cars every week out back then. So, so no, you know, you of course didn't make the show, and and uh, just kind of freaking it around, just trying to get a feel for it. Really didn't want to wad it up on the first night.
2: Now, how long did but, it take um, before you became like, okay, I'm actually can do pretty good in this. Before thing? I wad it up? Oh well, no, <laughs> not wad it up. Before um, you can do. do, do. I'm, I'm trying to give you a compliment here, Tad. I, I know it's far and few in between. And it's I've it's never heard shocker. those come out of your mouth
0: before. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard them come out of your mouth
2: before. When you so. won, when you want um, an eagle, I was like, hey, fucking rights, good job. I mean.
0: Yes, you did. No, you were there. Yes, um, actually, no. It probably, uh, probably a year. It probably took me a year, just because I had never raced nothing before. You know, I mean, I'd never raced a go kart, nothing. Just jumped into a sprint car for the first time, so I don't even think I'm. I don't even think I've ever started one before. Before my first race, I,
2: I had the opportunity to start one. And I, I'm I'm too fucking scared to do it. I'm afraid I'm going to wreck the. Show. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to wreck it in the pits.
0: That would probably be pretty embarrassing.
2: Have you seen me though? I mean, it's 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 a good no, chance. That's true. that's
0: true. This is true. I've seen some of the pictures you've taken so. Hey, you can screw
7: that up.
2: Uh, fuck you! <laughs> oh, wow. All
3: right, this has gone off the off the rails here. Uh, so. Speaking off the rails. All right, so
4: <laughs> no, this is a Saturday night, guys. <laughs> yeah, this
2: this is this is, say, is the uh, this is the uh, after race Saturday night. sitting back yep. with your friends, drinking some
3: beers. Conversation here, exactly. And On the back of, that, of the trailer. Yeah. So
2: we apologize yep. to
3: those listeners that are. Uh,
2: in bed by now, but uh, let's let's be honest. With this. Our listeners turned off after we <laughs> logged off with Dave Argenbright. All right,
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When
0: you said Tad, Hall- when you said Tad Holman was going be off, that's pretty much when they all dropped off. Like,
2: all right,
7: <laughs> click. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
7: oh. we're out of here.
2: <laughs> so now the real question is: Are 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 we all allowed back in the Village Inn down in Tulsa, Oklahoma?
0: You know. I don't think so, because we didn't even go to it last year. Um, they had security lined up out there, and we didn't even attempt to go into it last year. So I think our pictures are still up on the wall, and we
2: are not allowed back. I mean, it, it's been 10 years since Mike Peterson almost got us kicked out of that joint. So,
3: <laughs> Almost. I think he did. <laughs> Is that the elephant,
2: run? <laughs> no, that was the Village Inn. I mean this, this is, is where This is where a family is supposed to go and we bring Mike Peterson in there. So, uh it's, it it was a rough rough uh it, rough hey, what, event. Hey, what happens in Tulsa stays in Tulsa. Thank God we were in the party I room. Think,
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think I think what made the waitress upset was um what was the little sign we had on the table? Show tips for tips or something like that. And when she read that, she's like, "Yeah, this is going to be a
2: fun group." <laughs> well, she was eighty years old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who wants but to Mike see wants- that? <laughs> oh, <God>. Mike,
1: <laughs> Mike, kid.
3: <laughs> so she just had to lift up her shorts instead of her blouse. <laughs> <laughs> she-,
0: she, just pulled down the t- she just pulled down the top of her pants and seen the
2: nipples are hanging out there.
0: <laughs> oh, you're wow. welcome, Mike. You're welcome. Uh, and oh. the, and the, He's not even here to defend
2: himself. Exactly. That's the best part. I mean, that that is the it
7: best is.
4: part. Poor Dave, Dave Argerbright. signed up for what? <laughs> yeah,
3: Dave Argerbright stepped up this program, and now we're we're we're
4: yeah,
5: last up the joint. <laughs>
3: Travis, you're not saying anything. What do you got to say about all this?
5: right now I'm trying to get my computer to charge because I got 1% life left and my (laughs) dog chewed up my charger. So I'm just trying to (laughs) to get this work. I really don't have much. I've been listening. I don't know Tad all that well except, you know, when he was running with us with the Nebraska 360s. And, um, you know, working at Eagle from 2006 to 2008, that's how I got to know him. But anything other than that, I'm just taking it all in. I don't know too many of the stories. And um, so, yeah, I'm just taking it all in and hearing some funny things and the spin outs and whatnot. I wasn't going to say what I saw from my view on the backstand at Eagle. So. Yeah, you, you had a hand, you had
2: a hand, Larry, that yellow flag because of Tad. <laughs> that,
5: that, that's correct. I did.
0: Hey See, t- So you got some work in. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have been working. So hey,
5: that, That's correct. I, you know, I got to flip the yellow light for you. And maybe a red light every now and then.
2: <laughs> Only See? because of Austin McCarl. Sure. <laughs> oh, that son of a bitch!
0: Oh, I <laughs> we we're freaking. Who were we running? Like eighth and ninth in the goddamn B feature, and he freaking tried to slide me on the last lap and freaking missed by a mile.
2: You weren't in a transfer spot either.
0: No, that's right. we were like running eighth or ninth in the B feature in the last lap. weren't even. I mean, shit. What we were gonna get? A hundred bucks. If that? freaking tries to. Yeah, we tried to slide her going into three, and he freaking. He hits me freaking the right his right rear is like in my lap.
2: Now now the big question well, yes. is, because I know you yelled at Austin and hurt the kid's feelings. Did Scary Terry come yes. down and have a have a conversation with you?
0: He came down and talked to Eldon, yes.
2: He can't even man up and talk to you? Nope, he didn't. What no, he, a, he went straight to the car owner. What a bitch. He went and to the and was Eldon, like <laughs> eighty years old at the time.
0: Exactly, exactly. And, uh, like uh, he picked on the freaking little weenie, not weenie guy, but the
2: littlest, you know, 100-pound guy. Eldon would have fucking whooped his ass, though.
0: Oh, Eldon held him back to him. Eldon Elden said down to him.
3: <laughs> yeah, wow. That's. I don't even know where to go. There. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're Ooh. like eight hours in this broadcast now. Maybe we need to think about shutting this thing down. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we need to have uh, part two. Tad back for part two. We, we will on. definitely have Tad. I want to. I want.
2: Here, here's here's what I want. I want this COVID shit to go away. Obviously, so we can get yeah, Tad. Exactly. So we can get Tad in here and bring Mike Peterson in here also, and it will be a completely. Uh, it will be quick time after dark, basically.
0: I just say it has to be an after dark session, yeah. We're going to have but to we have a, a good time.
3: We're going to have to put a little uh, disclaimer out there. Anybody that wants anything respectable, you need to sh- turn, uh, turn off <laughs> now. Yeah. And yeah. if if you want something exciting, <laughs> stay tuned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Chad, I appreciate exactly.
3: you man. I, I just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, keep going after just just loving and having fun with sprint car racing that's why we're all in it and that's why we we love this sport is because people like you just come and uh race and have fun and and make friendships and i've seen some of the photos of you guys getting together down there in tulsa in the chili bowl and i've been down there like three or four times but i haven't been back for a long time because of my job but yeah, yeah, it's it's people like you that that make a lot of us enjoy this this great sport of sprint car racing.
2: Yeah, Brad, you definitely missed out on the days when we had the uh, the cherries and with racetracker down there at the Chili Bowl. I mean,
7: yeah, it was my first couple of time. times
2: down there, and it was it was a hell of a time. <laughs> and that's that's kind of why I want to go back every year is to just to hang out with, hang out with Tad. The one year I brought Brittany down there, and, and thank God Tad had his trailer in there because Brittany had a bed to sleep in because that's all she wanted to fucking do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, but no, it's like I said, racing, racing fans are the best and that's all my best friends are racers. So that's why I like all you guys and, and appreciate everything you guys have done. I mean, Jason and with his Heartland race news and I re racing Brad and then Brandon with these out-of-focus pictures. I mean, you guys have done a lot too. For- <laughs> I thought I was going to get a comment here. <laughs> That's classic. Classic. You know, you guys have done a lot for, for racing around here too. So I know we appreciate what you guys, what you I guys will, do I I will
2: say, Tad, my fo- ho- photos out of focus are actually helping you because nobody can see how bad you actually are.
3: It looks like you're going exactly. really, really fast because they're blurry. <laughs> and,
0: and it blurs my name on there too so they can't see the name. It's like, oh, who's that driving? Well, we can't read his name because it's out of focus. So. <laughs> who,
4: who, who's this Todd Hoffman?
0: <laughs> exactly.
7: <laughs>
2: oh, oh, my Lord. All right, Ted, I want to thank you for jumping on here. And uh, we're definitely going to get you back on here and get you in studio and, uh, well, makeshift studio and, and just have a ball because that's what we do on a Saturday night after the races. Yeah, most definitely. Let's do it, guys. Definitely. All right, Tad. Thanks a lot for thanks, jumping on. Dad. Thanks, Dad.
3: Thanks,
0: No, thank
2: you, guys. Talk to you later. Yep. Right. Thanks, me. guys.
3: Shit, I just saw all these, uh, these chat messages. <laughs> <laughs> there was 19 <laughs> of them, and I didn't know there was any of them.
2: <laughs> definitely, definitely uh, signs of time this podcast has gone off the rails. So uh, before we wrap things up, uh, we got some quick news to take care of. Uh, Eagle Raceway has postponed their uh, Christmas party slash banquet. I'm not quite sure when they're when or if they're going to reschedule that, but uh, due to the uh, this times that we're in, that's just not going to happen. And I, I don't blame Eagle Raceway one bit for having that. For sure. Another Twitter thing, uh, Sammy Swindell
3: tweeted that.
2: Uh, oh, here we go with the Sammy Swindell news. Hey, hey,
3: for sure. Hey, he's still winning, by the way. But tweeter. hey.
2: He still hasn't came on the podcast, and I know you reached out. So uh,
3: I reached out to his wife. Next is him. I don't know that I could talk to him, though. I'm, I'm too intimidated. But he tweeted, "Scared." never oh. drove a car with this number, a number 56. He goes, maybe soon. So I'm guessing he's going to be in the 56 at some point next in 2021. Who owns the 56? There's a lot of 56 out there, but I don't know.
2: I think the last 56 that I know is Lauren Langerud out of North Dakota. What? Yeah. What,
3: what about uh, Knoxville? Oh, uh, Davey Heskin. Yeah, shit Davey fuck, Heskin. fuck Davey's going to fucking yeah. punch
2: me in the nuts when I see him next. Wow. Come on, Brandon. Stay on uh, top of the game. Uh, dude, Tats got me all fucking disco- discombobulated right the now. The best
3: 56 ever was the Genesee beer wagon, number 56 that Danny Smith drove. Just just, Ooh. just saying.
2: Never heard of it. It's oh no, it beautiful car. <laughs> beautiful car. It was. It was. With uh,
4: that... Man. Hey, I want to send out some uh, some quick, uh, you know, get well shout outs here. Yes, Peter. definitely. You know, I know talk about the COVID us. and all that. Um, Butch Bade is recovering or, well, is go, trying to get through. He is currently hospitalized. Um, you know, I saw from his daughter, Chantel, uh, is, uh, you know, struggling with COVID right now. And, and, you know, so all our thoughts and prayers to Butch and family. Uh, make it day by day and we'll see what happens. And uh, hopefully, you know, the best, and we're wishing for the best. And also Chad Dolan, uh, promoter out at uh, Lexington Speedway and MPH, also tweeted out or uh, put on Facebook out that he, too, uh, was diagnosed COVID uh, in the hospital last I saw. That was a couple days ago. Uh, it was rough going for him, too. So, you know, so we we really hope for the best for both of them and uh, send our thoughts and prayers and hope uh, everybody else here, especially this weekend, coming, man. Just be careful, because we'd, uh, we'd all like to see y'all next year.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, that, with that being said, I mean, put all the political bullshit aside. I mean, it's it's one thing to, you know, be left, right, or whatever, but the main thing is we just got to keep people safe. I, I don't care what what side of the aisle you're on. It's just, just do the right thing and just try to keep people safe. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, I got my own thoughts. I lost a sister from it, so uh, you pretty
2: much know what I feel about this stuff. Yeah, definitely. So with that being said, uh, guys, what are your plans for the for the weekend? I know Thanksgiving coming up, I don't think none of us are actually going to go out and, you know, have big family gatherings. I, I'm, I'm going to assume Brad, your daughter's going to come over and Kind of keep the close-knit family together. So. Yep.
3: It's my wife, daughter, Kaylee, and the dog, uh, uh, El, um, Ollie. 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 Oh,
2: get the name right. She
3: named it after the Ollie's Bargain Barn outlets from get, the All-Stars and, and Casey Kane Racing. Because
2: let's be honest, that's the cutest member, member of the family. Yeah, so. he's, he's a
3: great dog. He's a great <laughs> dog. But, uh, yeah, we're just going to hang out. I'm going to smoke a turkey and... I'm baking a pie. I not my wife I am baking a pumpkin pie and an apple pie tomorrow. Is there beer in
2: it? No, there will be knowing be you, there's probably going to be beer. In there it. will
3: be beer with it, but uh, <laughs> not in it. And uh, that's we're just going to hang out, chill out, and watch the Steelers win on Thursday. Hell go, yeah! Go eleven and zero, and then uh, watch the Hawkeyes beat the Huskers on Friday, and then that, we're Pittsburgh's just gonna, going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and we're going to just chill out and relax. Really <laughs> no, they're not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Travis. The Jets are no ahead. Hey, can, jets, you, can you mute no.
3: Travis? Can you mute Travis? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. you got to
5: get past Kansas City first. So that's gonna. Good luck. No,
3: that's not hard. Uh, Dude, Baltimore got by him. Yeah, or yeah. the Raiders got by yeah. him. The Raiders got by him once.
2: Yeah, and the Raiders fucking suck, bud. They, they're. Well, we'll see how they do this weekend. You know, they are going to Tampa
5: Bay. They're going to Tampa Bay to. That's Brady, they baby. Brady, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how they do there.
2: We're going against a forty-three-year-old quarterback. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, big bad, big bad Ben is going to take care of business this week. Yep, weekend.
2: Pittsburgh <laughs> going to Super Bowl. What are you guys
3: doing? Anything exciting?
4: I think I'm going to uh, now small family gathering. We're going to take some stuff out to my uh, out to my father-in-law. He's you know in his eighties, and so we're going to normally we'd have them over but we're going to take stuff out to them and just kind of drop it off and we'll do that here we'll probably uh watch some football and then we might catch the huskers game while we're watching football but um and then uh uh probably smoke pork butt this weekend too so there you go Got a lot of cooking involved
2: yeah I, and we're gonna go over to Brittany's mom's house uh we're gonna eat in separate rooms Brittany's mom's is taking this pretty serious, but one of the things is Brittany didn't want her mom to be alone on, on Thanksgiving, which oh, yeah. which I don't blame her, uh, coming, being an only child and, you know, a single mom f- family and whatnot. So uh, we're going to go over there, kind of eat in separate rooms a little bit and kind of social distance as best we can, but I'm going to guarantee I'm going to park my ass downstairs and watch the football. Travis, what do you got?
5: To my mother's, yes, my mom lives a block away. Uh, <laughs> go over there, hang out on Thursday. With, and watch football. Other than that, there isn't much going on. So my racing season's done. I'll watch the. I'll kick off at the Chili Bowl for 2021. 20, so,
2: I think Turkey Night's going to be on Flow Racing. So I mean,
3: yeah, and I, I'm I'm guessing I'm I'm hoping that the the races this weekend in uh, Arizona Speedway in Santan Valley, which is southeast of Phoenix, it's a uh, 360 wings and 360 non-wing sprint car race, and I hope they're on Flow or something because. That that could be pretty good. So, I'm going to be brewing a cream ale because my Quick Time cream ale, Brandon killed it,
2: and I did not. I killed his apple cider, but well, I didn't. I did not kill the Quick Time. It was you and your fantastic. It was it was. was, was your drunk ass <laughs> killed the Quick Time and cream I, ale. I don't drink
3: the cream, Quick Time, uh, but I'm going to do that in a coin toss pale ale on Friday. So we got a full day beer drinking, wine drinking, whatever. We're gonna we're gonna kill Thank it. Much.
5: When's the racing from Australia start? Is that have I missed that, or, or
2: is that postponed? This You're week, <laughs> yeah, I think this oh, week. I think. I think
6: yeah, is, is yeah
4: there, I think it's already started. Is there stuff going on, on because, because
3: uh, mm-hmm. th- they had uh, they had a major series canceled because of COVID?
5: Yeah, well, I saw Valvoline. Valvoline didn't have anything scheduled, and I looked at clicked on one of the other links on their website, and they will show you full racing. But I didn't know like when the the guys from the U.S. would start
2: going over to race, so. Haven't been following that. I don't. I think so they can get down there. I don't yeah. think a lot of the U.S. guys are going to go down there this year. But
3: yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they do get down there because I know a lot of my athletes on the track team are they they can't leave because a they can't get there and b they they don't even know if they can get back.
2: Yeah, that's, that's is
3: McFadden
5: going. I would assume is McFadden going to go down there and then if this is still around, is he going to try to do what he did before to get back or is he even going to not risk
3: it? I think he's back there already. I think so. Oh I, yes, yeah.
2: I think it's one of those deals where you, you go back, you got to, you know, lock yourself in a, in a padded room for 14 days. Cause I would go crazy. <laughs> well, I,
4: yeah, no, I spoke to somebody who um, has a sister that went to Australia and they, they only had to stay in the, they had to stay in the room. They couldn't even leave to go outside or anything like that in, in Australia. They, they gave you they got you your meal. They brought things up to you, but you had to stay in the room for 14 days. It's crazy.
3: Well, we just got new mandates here in Lincoln, so uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, definitely. So stay safe. Yeah, definitely. With that being said, we're going to catch everybody on flip side. Thanks for jumping in, hanging out with us for the past two hours on Quick Time to Podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, share the podcast out, and we'll catch everybody on the on the flip side. Thanks a lot, everybody.